Thank you for joining us this week on Marketing Like a Mother, a podcast made for mumpreneurs by mumpreneurs. Each week, we're diving into mum-approved business and marketing strategies to help you grow a profitable and family-friendly business. Today, I'm your host, Michelle Ponvert, and I'm chatting with the wonderful SEO expert and educator, Meg Casebold. Thank you so much for coming on, Meg. I'm thrilled to have you here. (laughs) I'm so excited to be here with you, Michelle. Well, I have been in your world for quite a while, but I don't know how many of our listeners have, you know, met you, learned that much about what you do. So like I like to do with every guest, would you like to share a little bit about you, what you do, who you help, all that good stuff? Sure. So I'm Meg. I am the founder of Love It First Search, where we help online businesses to show up in search results like Google or YouTube or any podcast app of your choice. I used to say Apple Podcasts, but like more people listen on Spotify now and all those Mm -hmm. things. But basically, we want to create really good content that people are going to download, listen to, search for, and then become a a huge fan of you and your business. I started my business, uh, I was about to say eight years ago, but now I realize that my eldest son is eight. So nine <laughs> years ago, I started my business. Um, like many of us, I was a, sort of a reluctant entrepreneur who mm-hmm. uh, did the math of, hey, my job pays you know $50,000 a year and childcare is like $20,000 a year. And I have this side hustle that I started accidentally. And what if... Mm, and, let, and then just kind of leapt into it without a very solid plan because uh, why not? Um, <laughs> and that was that was nine years ago. And since that point, I've grown it into a business while also having my family as the top priority, um, which isn't something that I'm often talking about on podcasts, because I think sometimes it can, if depending on who your audience is, it can sound like it's a weakness. But I actually think of it very much as the strength of my business is mm. the flexibility is and is the ability to hire other people who have similar values and who are also wanting to be part-time home with their kids, getting the kids off the bus at the end of the day, getting the kid, you know, but still being able to have adult conversations about <laughs> things that make our brain work hard and not just like, Hey, what mom, do you know how b- big goblin sharks mouths can get? <laughs> I know not- exactly what you mean. <laughs> Mom, which one's your favorite Pokemon? Oh my God, I don't care, buddy. I love you so much. Please just shut your mouth. Like, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Grown-up conversations are really important. And I think, you know, we do business for many reasons, but that is a genuine one for a lot of people I know, people who I'm sure are listening. So I love that you mentioned that too. So you mentioned that you started nine years ago and you have an eight-year-old. So did the business start even in the side hustle format? around having kids or was that kind of a precursor sort of simultaneously accidentally Mm. so (laughs) I my business started when I got married and it started with making my own wedding invitations and programs and that kind of thing I had done graphic design in my job as a marketing director for an architecture firm and then I started to apply that to my own life and then I shared the invitations and uh you know other people like can you do this for me too and then it, it it grew from there. And then I had a friend who had a, a web design agency and she brought me in a, as a junior designer. And so by the time I got married, simultaneously, you know, subsequently got <laughs> pregnant, not simultaneously gross, um, married <laughs> then pregnant, <laughs> not the same day. No. Um, <laughs> We're getting all the juicy gossip today. I know, right? <laughs> um, 
I was married in September and then the following November, um, I had my son. And so it was sort of like the, the side hustle started picking up steam at the same Mm. time that, um, the pregnancy started to become (laughs) more visible. Um, Mm. and so I left my job at at about 20 weeks pregnant, um, and, and built the, the business at that point. And, uh, by the time my other son, uh, was born, it had sort of I wasn't standing on my own two feet yet. I was making like maybe $20,000 a year from it, but it still would would have offset the cost of childcare. Right. Like, Mm. and that was what we needed it to do is I needed to, to still have something that I was doing, um, contribute to the household, but not necessarily, uh, I didn't need to be the breadwinner at that point, Mm. which was fortunate. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a very realist kind of take on it too. It's Mm -hmm. like, it serves a purpose. It needs to do what it needs to do, but also by serving that purpose, it enabled you to exercise that grown up brain of yours and build something bigger for yourself and your family. And I love that you talked about earlier, the fact that you have built this business intentionally to fit with the family. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who's going to be really curious. What does that look like for you? And what did that look like for you in those other seasons of life with kids who are kind of growing? Yeah. So when, when we first started, it was being able to work nights and weekends and still be home with my son. Mm. Um, and then, you know, life, life just keeps happening. Turns out <laughs> um, that. weird, right? So when, when my older son was about 15 months old, my father was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Um, and at the time we lived about 200 miles away and I just went, I'm going home. Because I had a, a location independent business. So I, <laughs> the day we got the news, I like put the kid in the car and I'm like, okay, husband, I'll see you when you get there. Right. Like yeah. I, I just needed to be with my family. Um, and so what it looked like at that point was you know, my, my entire family ended up moving. I didn't just like leave my husband. <laughs> no, we, we ended up relocating to my hometown Mm. being able to spend that time with my dad and his final weeks and days and and having the flexibility to do that too and to have Mm. all of us together um and you know then since that point I've had another kid I've had some chronic illness in my life and and you know throughout all of these things happening there have been times where I've had to just slow down the business Mm -hmm. um self-funding maternity leaves turns out um you have to slow down and then you Mm -hmm. can pick back up when you're ready and that's something that if I'd had if I'd stayed in that more kind of corporate marketing director role Mm -hmm. I would have had to think about like FMLA and still working and not being able to just throw my kid in the car and go see my my sick father um and so that's the thing that I appreciate most about the business is the location independence, the time independence, mm-hmm. um, and the ability to just like sometimes drop the ball and walk away and come back when I'm ready for it. Yeah. <laughs> Not in like a way that seems irresponsible, <laughs> but being able to slow down when I need to and have a safety net there is huge. Yeah. And be human. It sounds like within yeah. your business, like make space for that stuff to happen. I'm probably not far off guessing that SEO is kind of part of that puzzle for you. And that's as like a web designer in my own journey has been very much the case too, that marketing in a way that you do the work once it pays off over time and you can really fit that work in around 
life and other things in business. Is that sort of where the love for SEO grew from or was it something completely different? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, there are some people who fall in love with SEO because they're, they love the spreadsheets and the numbers and like, there's something to that. There is some, some weird Ravenclaw joy in (laughs) being able to connect the dots of all of these different rules, but it is, um, you know, it's a very technical approach to Mm. marketing. Um, and the reason I fell in love with it wasn't just because I love, you know, plugins and keywords. <laughs> it's because of what it can do for us. It's the outcomes yeah. of SEO. It's the fact that, you know, if I need to take a month off for whatever reason, I can take a month off and still have new traffic coming to my website, finding me through these various search channels. I can still have people joining my email list. I can still have the inquiries coming in. Like mm-hmm. just because I stop doesn't mean my marketing stops. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's huge. And it's it's such a refreshing take from the, you know, hustle kind of social media world that we live in where content lasts for seconds, hours at best, when we're still, you know, really just solopreneurs or small business owners that isn't sustainable, that isn't realistic. So I really like this longer term asset building approach to marketing. I think that's something we particularly as moms really should be leaning into because it's what's realistic. And, you know, I know you can speak to the benefits of SEO as well, but I think just the like picking a marketing strategy that fits the reality of your life is, is so huge. Yeah. Um, if people are listening and, you know, SEO sounds really scary and techie, which to be honest, even though I was a web designer when I came to your world, it already kind of freaked me out. What would you you say to reassure those of us who get a bit scared by the spreadsheets and the numbers in terms of tackling SEO? First, let's define SEO because we we kind of leapt into it and and jumped around it, but we haven't technically done that. Like my introduction, I don't say the word SEO for a reason. Um, (laughs) SEO, search engine optimization, uh, search engine would be your Google, your YouTube, your Pinterest, your Amazon, your... Apple podcasts, right? Like anywhere that has a search bar at the top of it, you can go in and find what you're looking for. Google's the biggest one, but I mean, bang, Yahoo, whatever. Um, Optimization is improving what you already have or creating new content in order to show up in those search results. Hmm. So when it comes to getting started with this process of search engine optimization, um, you know, sometimes it's like, well, what do I already show up for? (laughs) because <laughs> sometimes we rank for things and people will say like, oh, I found you on Google. And you're like, that's awesome. What did you search for? I don't remember. Um, so sometimes you can sort of stumble into search traffic mm. and you don't have to work that hard for it. Um, sometimes you can figure out what it is that you're ranking for and just like talk about that more. And it doesn't have to take a really long time to improve. And sometimes you can find opportunities to say, Oh, wow. I mean, Michelle, in your case, we're always looking for these new Squarespace related keywords for solopreneurs mm-hmm. where it's like, um, you know, what's the best Squarespace template? Um, 
And then you can go write a blog post about it and have a free download and get new people to download it and maybe get them to book a, a, a you know, design in a day package. Um, but figuring out what those on-ramps are into your business that people mm -hmm. might need what it is that you're selling and then creating some sort of content that introduces you to them. Um, and again, that's something, the I mean, the best part is that they can find it when it's relevant to them, not just when you happen to decide to post about it on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's that's a really helpful approach because a lot of the people who are listening, I think, will be more in that service provider space where you're really trying to book a handful of clients to book out yes. your business. So, you know, doing that little bit of legwork, you can get the influx of leads and it takes care of a lot of that lead generation, lead nurturing work. So mm -hmm. the people you're actually spending the time having sales conversations with are, you know, actually likely to book your office. And I think they are a little bit more motivated because mm -hmm. they're seeking out some sort of solution versus waiting for the solution to come to them. Yeah. Um, you know, when you think about what your people need from you, are they searching or are they scrolling? Yeah. Different businesses have different needs. I actually just talked about this on a podcast that we recorded last week with somebody who does, um, who makes hand crocheted items <gasps> and cool. her people are definitely <laughs> scrolling. They're on mm -hmm. TikTok and they're like, oh, that's a really cool mug koozie. And that's the thing that I need. But they're not specifically going out and looking for homemade crochet mug koozies, but they see it and they're like, mm, I want that. Like it's an impulse purchase. Um, mm -hmm. They didn't know they needed it. But for so often, those of us that are running service businesses that have the higher price point because we're doing more of the, the high touch, low volume volume services. Mm -hmm. Somebody's not going to be like, oh, I was just scrolling through Pinterest and decided <laughs> that I needed to spend $2,500 on a new logo, right? That's yeah. not an impulse purchase. That's something where you're going, something's broken about my marketing and I think it's this and let me go search for somebody <laughs> who can help me with it, right? Yeah, so, or I'm, I need a life coach. It's not something you decide on an Instagram scroll. <laughs> Usually right. there's a bit more behind that. And, and, you know, maybe, maybe it is, maybe you see someone who's a life coach and you're like, oh, they asked a prompt that really inspired me. But so mm. often it's not even like, I need a life coach. It's like, um, the search and, and Instagram or Twitter or wherever you're hanging out, like you might, or tw TikTok, especially really, <laughs> people are really converting well on TikTok lately. Um, mm -hmm. you might find someone and be like, oh man, what they said resonated. And I want to work with this person. Um, mm -hmm. But the other end of the spectrum might be, um, I'm thinking about, like, I was diagnosed with ADHD two years ago, and now I listen to a podcast of a life coach who also has ADHD, and she helps people figure out their, you know, the time blindness, nice. <laughs> you know, the, the executive functioning and it, listening to her podcast and knowing that she understands the problems that I've had to figure mm -hmm. out and cope with, listening to that information gives me the trust in her. But if yeah. I wanted to work with an ADHD coach, she would be the person I would go to, right? So I found her through a search about time blindness. <laughs> yeah. It's sort of it like wasn't ADHD. ADHD. It, yeah, you need yeah. to you need to discover and, and search is a great way to discover somebody new and then they can go binge your content or follow you on social. Um, mm -hmm. But people who are actively seeking a solution are more likely to take action than people who are just kind of scrolling through kind of bored and doom scrolling in the evenings <laughs> while also eating popcorn and watching Shit's Creek in the background. Not that I would know I mean, anything about that. No, that sounds like a slice of life. And I love it. <laughs> Suspiciously specific. Yes. Suspiciously specific. <laughs>
I think that's really helpful. And I think the the approach you take in your work and, you know, what really drew me to you is it's not just, okay, how do we kind of play the system and put, you know, press all the right buttons, get the right pieces in place. It's really approaching the human aspect of the people behind the search. And I think that makes all the difference as particularly a small business owner who might be creating your own content. I think it gives you an actual in on how to do the work. And yeah, one yeah, of the things I really I've been, appreciate that. One of the drums I've been banging a lot lately is empathy. And mm. I'm trying to to reframe people thinking of it's like search engine optimization and more like search empathy optimization. Oh, I love because that. like we can't and and like with the rise of AI being what it is, and the fact that mm-hmm. anyone can go to jet chat GPT and just be like, here, what should I write a blog post about? And they'll write the blog post for you. What's the thing that can make you stand out is your empathy, is your mm. recognition that you understand what somebody's going through better than a robot does. Yeah. And, and particularly can... moms who are exercising that sort of muscle every day, all the time. Oh my gosh, right. I think we're primed for that kind of thinking, that kind of empathy, that compassion, that, you know, putting yourself in other people's shoes. That's literally the thing we do with our kids all day, every day. Buddy, I know someone pushed you on the playground. They weren't trying to hurt you. They were just trying to get over there. Right. You know, that that feeling of, (laughs) and especially as service providers, Mm -hmm. we're having the conversations with our ideal clients in a way that larger businesses with bigger audiences that want to get the big reach, the influencers cannot have the deep conversations to understand Mm -hmm. the problems that our services are solving in the ways that those of us who are high touch can. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, I think what I really find interesting in, you know, your business itself is that you have kept that finger on the pulse of working with clients and creating, you know, content and education. And I think that does give that sense of the humanity, the people part of the puzzle, because I can tell from the content you create, the courses you create, that you're still in it, you're still doing it with us. And I think that's a really lovely example of how you can straddle those two worlds as well. And I think it doesn't have to be either or, you know, Mm -hmm. I think probably for the first couple years in your business, you want to still have your finger on the pulse and be having conversations with people all the time. Um, But now I'm at the point where I have a small agency. Like I said, all but one of the people that works with me is a mom. Um, oh. We're all part-time across multiple time zones. We all kind of t- come and go as we please within <laughs> the organization, which is awesome. Um, just like, oh, this person's on vacation this week, so she's not going to take a job, but two other people can step up and do it. Um, so uh, my team has kids from six months to 20 years old. It's awesome. It's it's awesome. Amazing. <laughs> like in our Slack channel, we're doing just as much like, you know, <laughs> IEP uh, recommendations and like sleep training recommendations and who's going oh to university where and it's just like, it's this really amazing gel that's holding mm. together. Um, where was I going with this? <laughs> We were talking about the oh. sort of one foot in business, in service, and one foot in education and courses and all that. Right. Business. So all because I have team that can help with the keyword research, that can do mm-hmm. some of the client calls. Um, you know, I have a content marketing person, so I can record the podcast, but then she's the one who takes it and edits and does the show notes and everything like that. So. Mm-hmm. It's once you are able to grow the business to the point that you can have a team, you don't necessarily have to wear all the hats. Then you can start to kind of 
I don't want to say rise up as if there's an elevation here, but like (laughs) take your perspective up to take Mm -hmm. more of like a 10,000 foot view of what's happening. What's the content that I need to create? How can I serve a broader population versus being one-to-one? But I still want to always be having the one-to-one conversations because that's where the magic is in my experience. Mm, And particularly if you're thinking about content, having that sort of finger on the pulse, I think is really key. Mm-hmm. how did you kind of transition into that sort of from a solopreneur from the part-time with a little kid into building the team and being in that sort of CEO space what did that look like for you oh my gosh so much trial and error and <laughs> really <laughs> a lot of growing pains right yeah um, you know it it started with one virtual assistant mm-hmm. um for a long time nobody touched the seo except for me and so i would mm-hmm. hire people for admin support and marketing support mostly so mm-hmm. um for a long time i had a social media manager who worked with me and then i decided not to be on social media anymore we can talk about that too oh um, yeah let's come back to that one put a pin in that <laughs> one because people are always like wait what huh um, <laughs> So that was one of the first things that I'll do. You know, I had somebody to help with my like inbox management at first, mm. um, social media management. Sometimes I would have uh, contractors to help me with design work. Um, but over time, and then then I I had people who came through my signature SEO program that one of them came to me and said like, I want to do more of this. Can I just work with you? And I was like, yes, you can, because I (laughs) knew that she knew my system. She'd come Mm -hmm. through my program. Um, And so she started to do some keyword research. And that was someone that I trusted to to work in the client work instead of in the business Mm. work, because, you know, you feel so protective of your clients. Yeah. Um, Where's the lovely business? I'm like, mess around with it, you know, like let's play here. But like for my clients, I want them to have these outcomes. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's a lovely sneaky side effect of having a program like that is you can kind of cultivate your team members out of it. Totally, totally. And every time we we have an opening, there are people who apply from within the program. And sometimes they are a good fit for the role and sometimes they're not. But like it, it's like you're developing future leaders within your industry, whether mm. or not they work for you or they're, I mean, like you came through the program and now yep. I feel like the SEO work on your website and the SEO work that you're doing for your clients has probably improved. Definitely. So <laughs> it's like, you know, one of those rising tide raises all ships situations. Exactly. Um, yeah. But so then I, I started hiring team to help me with that process. Um, I, I put up a job posting for a marketing person um, and I had two incredible candidates. So I hired both of them and turned one of them <laughs> into an operations director. Cause I just saw like, after we worked together a bit, I was like, no, I need you to do this instead. And now she's like my right-hand person. And she's the one who does all the, the hiring and training and everything. Like she That's went through awesome. an operations accelerator so that she's just like, everything runs Megan runs the business and I just get to show up and be the 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 person on the podcast and the person on the client calls at this point um it doesn't help that we have the same name I was she's gonna say Megan. that's I, very well planned she's Megan I'm technically Margaret um so but it's very complicated in our mm. internal memos um, but it, it just kind of just like everything else I feel like there's an evolution and an organic mm. growth um where you know, not if you build it, they will come, but just like when you're ready, the right people will come to you and appear in your life. Um, and it just works out when you, when you have an idea of where you want to go and and the right people come in. 
Yeah, I love that. Okay, we said we'd put a pin in it, but let's come back to this whole no social media thing. I feel like that's very <laughs> juicy. <laughs> because I've had to step away from the business several times for maternity leaves and illness and everything along those lines, um, I realized that I every time I would step away, I would stop posting on social media and then I'd stop seeing leads. But like, mm -hmm. it actually didn't change my leads very much. <laughs> um, so I just said that I would stop seeing leads. No, it didn't. People would still reach out from referrals, from search. And the more that it happened, the more I was like, well, why am I spending all this time <laughs> creating these posts that like aren't actually leading to direct sales um mm -hmm. that's not to say that it wasn't still nurturing people and letting them get to know me and all those things yeah. but it hit a point where I was like especially when I was in a smaller organization like I was spending a lot of time on something that wasn't making me money so mm -hmm. why didn't I double down on the things that did make me <laughs> money especially something as time consuming and energy consuming as social media yeah. um and so I made the decision to, it started with just a, a month off. It was like an accidental month off because yeah. I forgot, um, <laughs> didn't forgot. I was just like traveling and, you know, like things came up and then I yeah. went and looked at the numbers and was like, nothing changed. Um, so then I took a summer off and not much changed. And then I started to explore with other people what happens when you mm. aren't as dependent on social media and started doing a podcast around this idea of like, yeah. what happens if you take a social media hiatus or you invest your time anywhere else? Um, and the more conversations that I had, the more I was like, why am I why am I stressing about this so much? Is it, <laughs> is it because I really think that it's impacting my business or is it because I feel like everyone else is there and I'm going to miss out on the party? Mm -hmm. Um. And so I had to do a lot of mindset work around like fear of missing out, comparisonitis, people pleasing, yeah. um, and that recognition of doing what, what actually gets my business to grow versus doing what makes me feel like people appreciate what they're seeing. And the idea of, of providing information versus performing for an audience, yeah. um, I had to do a lot of decoupling of my ego from my yeah. outcomes. Um, but now it's at the point where we just switched like this month, we switched our Instagram over to a nine grid and just aren't going to post on the feed anymore. We nice. archived our Facebook page. Uh, we, you know, just like if, if it's not working, why am I wasting time on it? Why am I paying other people to waste time on it? Like what, why, why? <laughs> And I know I what does work for me. a lot of people feel that way. Yeah. I know what does work for me, which is referrals, which is content, which is podcast guesting. Like, so I'm spending more time on the things that people actually want to, once they hear a podcast interview, they're like, oh, I actually want to go talk to this person, right? Like that mm -hmm. works better for me. So I'll do that instead. Yeah. That makes a ton and, of sense. <laughs> and it's not draining. And it's not because I felt like when I was on social media, even when I wasn't posting for work, I was still like, oh, I got to tell people I've got to post a story of, you know, my, I mean, my, I just went to Disney World and I took like zero pictures because I didn't feel like I needed to tell anybody I was at Disney World. Oh, I love that. I've stopped taking pictures for other people and it is yeah. so freeing. <laughs> it's so nice to not feel like I have to post just to prove to people I'm still alive. No, you'll find out if I'm not. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Um, well, I know we have a very exciting sort of connection coming up, which is that you are in Olivia and my upcoming bundle and you have a really, really amazing product in there. So I want to give you some space to tell us all about it. Tell us what you put in, how it's going to help people kind of start on this journey of getting into SEO. 
Sure. So we are giving away as part of the bundle, our SEO setup success course. This is not something we've ever given away for free. Um, but Michelle asked and I can't say no. <laughs> um, so it is basically our introduction to getting your website set up, the foundations of your website, the key pages of your website, um, the you know, the keyword research, uh, some of the technical SEO pieces, making sure it's secure and it loads quickly and it's, you know, the domain set up correctly. Um, and then also some local stuff. So if you're trying to be found in Google maps, we have some trainings about that in there. It's not like, oh, uh, cool. Um, it's not like all the content you need to be on YouTube and you have to have a podcast and here's mm -hmm. how you can cross link all these things. It's not that complex. We're really talking about what are the things that you can do to get your website set up out of the gate, you know, getting analytics installed in case you want to mm -hmm. look at some of this information down the road about what's working for your marketing. You have that data. Um, so all of that is available in SEO setup success as part of your bundle. And I have taken this course. And again, I'd said I work in tech stuff, but I'm not that techie. And it, just the way Meg explains stuff just makes sense to my brain. And I think it's going to make sense to a lot of other people's brains too. So I use I'm a lot of really gifts. Excited. I use a lot of <laughs> yeah. pop culture references because like this stuff could be really dry. Um, and so confusing. why not and confusing? <laughs> so why not include, you know, things from the office to make things feel a little bit more exciting and not quite as uh, alienating? <laughs> yeah. And very practical too. Like we need to have context to understand concepts that are a little abstract. So I appreciate the gifts. And I, I also think that I take a very realistic approach, which is like, you mm. are not going to rank number one for your entire industry, nor do you need to. Yes. You do not need to write 40 million blog posts and the next 20 minutes in order to rank for, you know, Michelle, you don't need to rank for web design and you're never going to beat out yep. Squarespace, right? Like they already own <laughs> that no term. Yeah. Don't, don't try to, to leap to the front of the line, like mm -hmm. make your small, find your small pool and own your pool. Right. Yeah. And, and bring people, oh, okay. I'm not going to extend this metaphor about pools, but <laughs> Bring the people to your pool. <laughs> bring your neighbors, bring your favorite people, invite them over for your pool party. You don't have to have the ocean, right? Mm -hmm. Like just have your pool. Yeah. I think it's a great metaphor. <laughs> okay. I'm glad it worked. <laughs> but I think that's really important. And, you know, it's somewhat like the social media thing. You don't need to do all the things, but you also don't need to be number one for everything. You just mm -hmm. need enough leads, enough people who are the right fit are well sort of qualified to work with you well qualified to help sort of get the most out of what you have to offer and I think that's that's really refreshing in a world where everyone wants to be the one-stop shop they want to give you you know the big promises and I really appreciate and you'll sort of notice in the bundle we have a lot of more realistic approach offers because you need to have things that are going to actually get you real results in a real container that makes sense for the business you have. So totally. I'm a big fan of the phrase do less better. Yes. I love that. <laughs> you don't have to do everything. You don't have to be everywhere. You are not Starbucks. You do not need to be on every corner fully stuffed, like do less, but do it really well. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, do you want to share all about your podcast, which is amazing. And I listen to every week. And I think that is a great example of do less better. Sure. So we have a podcast called Social Slowdown, um, which is, again, that exploration I was just talking about of what happens if you aren't spending as much time on social media, 
What are the other things that you can do? What does that open up in your life? Um, how does it feel to remove yourself from the, and, I mean, sometimes I get a little bit yoga teacher on it, right? Like, <laughs> what does it feel like to decouple your ego from your follower count, right? But there's something, especially for those of us who were raised and socialized as women, there's something that's really um like we are told that we have to show up and perform for other people. Um, mm -hmm. And it takes away from our, and sometimes it takes away from our value as experts because yeah. we, especially now social media over the past few years has gotten shorter, um, faster, and doesn't give you a chance to go deep. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting to me is where are the deep conversations happening? Yeah. And because something it feels I'm very learning. shallow and, and maybe the DMs can go yeah. deep and maybe the conversations can go deep and the, but like social media feels like a very shallow pool and that's just not interesting to me. And so I want to be able to help people develop sustainable, um, uh, replicable systems for getting mm. new clients that doesn't rely on them, like dancing and pointing at screens or, <laughs> you know, manipulating different people to behave in a certain way. No, I, mm. you don't have to, if, if, if you do, if you love it awesome. Go hang out there. Be with your people. If you don't, let's talk about some alternatives. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's key. It's like, where do you feel at ease? Because whatever's mm -hmm. easy, easeful, you're more likely to actually do and see through to a level that has results. If you um, resent what you're doing, you're not going to feel happy okay. about it, you know? And you're probably not going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> let's be real. Um, you touched on something and I really want to just like divert slightly to talk about it because you mentioned this idea of being performative and I think it's something that very top of mind for me my son's been diagnosed with autism and I'm learning more about how you know masking works in the neurotypical and neurodiverse communities and I think that whole idea of putting on a persona is very true in the online space and particularly in the sort of social media space and what I love about making your own place on the internet, which is your website, and making your own content for the people who want to see you as you are, I think it takes a lot of that mental energy and work of masking all the time and performing. So I know you kind of touched on that a little bit, but I just really needed to chime in because it's so like pertinent to where I'm at in my own life and something I'm really I think it's sinking down into really knowing for me. <laughs> yeah. I actually also have a kid on the autism spectrum, my five-year-old. Nice. And, um, <laughs> I don't, I don't talk about it too much because I don't want it to become, I, I never want it to feel like, exp I, I, I'd like to explore it, but I don't want to feel mm. exploitative, right? Like it's this, again, exactly. performing versus providing situation of you and I can have a conversation about it, but I don't want it to then be like, oh, she's the mom who uses her autism, her autistic yeah. kid to sell these products. Like it doesn't, Oh, it's not my story to tell necessarily. I um, have similar feelings. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to know where the lines are with these things. And I think that's mm -hmm. also really helpful in the social media space of like, maybe I don't need to talk about it there. Maybe I can have the deeper conversations about it. Um, yeah. But one of the things that I've learned from him is like how much of what I do is based on my ego. Cause he mm -hmm. just like, he just operates on like, I want to do this and I don't want to do this. And this is how I need things to be lined up. And this is, this is like the food Clean. that I'm going to eat. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, these are, these are the rules that I follow my life by. And it's not that somebody else needs me to behave a certain way because I don't pick up those cues. Yep. <laughs> and it, even the, like the eye contact thing that mm -hmm. for a long time, I was like, okay, buddy, look at me because I'm trying to tell you something. And it's like, well, I'm asking him to perform. I'm not actually getting his focused attention. 
exactly it's so yeah I think that's a really like I love learning more about just the whole neurodiverse mental health world it's always been really fascinating probably because it comes from somewhere but I think there is something really true to that that we we put on so much behavior and we put on so much kind of facade that it can be really hard to find yourself after taking all that away and Mm -hmm. I I really am learning a lot through my son too and I think there is that space in our businesses to show up not as the business but also as yourself and not to be sort of scared of that disjointed from that you know I think you've branded your business not as your own name but I still think in those sorts of smaller businesses we still have space to come and have conversations that are real and, you know, show up as ourselves on sales calls and not feel like that's a complete departure from the person they've seen on social media or online. I think that's really key. And I think also, you know, the entrepreneurialism in general, but especially this online business space is a place that curates and cultivates people who are neurodiverse um, oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know and there's all the, the statistics around like uh people with ADHD are 300 times more likely to start their own business and I look back at my own track record and I'm like you're like yep. uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> all those jobs that I stuck around with for a year and then went this is boring <laughs> and my neurotypical yep. husband at the time was like this is a great job what are you doing leaving and I'm like Where? <laughs> I'm bored. I'm bored. <laughs> right? Um, and with entrepreneurialism, I never mm. feel, bo- sometimes I feel overwhelmed. Sometimes I can't yeah. make a decision because of executive functioning skills, but I, I'm never bored. <laughs> yeah, you trade one problem for another, but exactly. I think it's a better problem. <laughs> I, I actually sketched something out yesterday with my community manager and my operations director, and they were like, okay, Meg, but you can't change it now. Um <laughs> Because we all know what this ADHD-ish behavior is um, mm-hmm. and recognizing it and pinpointing when I'm falling into those those situations and figuring out how to pull myself. And I've even said to them, like, here are the squirrels I'm allowing myself to chase in Q1. Um, yeah. and then, like The life recognition of how our different brain works and being able to talk about it. And when yeah. I was first exploring the diagnosis and and going and learning about it I started to talk to friends about it and my my neurotypical husband was nervous he was like mm. should you really be telling people this about yourself um it's tough it- that that's a sort of concern and I feel it too I'm going through my own exploration of mm-hmm. my own neurodiversity and I agree I have a lot of pushback of like is that something you should talk about is that something right. we should be looking at like what does wrong that make you this? seem unreliable or irresponsible or is or, it driving people away but what I've yeah. noticed is that it's it's very similar like having your own pool in your backyard is like mm-hmm. now people who are and it's at the point now where my team is like oh cool Meg got on another call and talked about neurodivergence and the patriarchy <laughs> yeah. and oppressive systemic <laughs> problems because the people that are attracted to me and the people that mm-hmm. want to work with my organization are my people yeah and that's the thing about I think creating a bank of content creating your own space is you can really start to call in the right people to like mm-hmm. put your little flag in the ground be like this is who I am this is what I'm about and I think it's like niching and it's like branding the more you go deep into what you really care about and say it loud and proud, I think the easier it is for other people to identify that in you too. 
And I think yeah. just as important as niching is reverse niching is recognizing who you don't <laughs> who you want don't want. to work with, who is not a good fit for you. That doesn't mean they're mm -hmm. bad people. That doesn't mean their businesses aren't valuable, but who is not a good fit for your business and your brain. I think, and, yeah. And you taking your ego out of it, which is like, mm -hmm. you know, for a long time, I would say, well, I can work with anyone because I can do that. I can do this and I can do this and I can go do the research and I can do the design. Um, but there are certain types of businesses and in certain industries that I just serve better. I work better with service providers. I work mm -hmm. better with, you know, people who are healers, who are in marketing, who, like there are specific niches that I just, educators, yeah, they clicks. work for me. They click. Yeah. Are, it's and it's not always just like here's the. I mean, I can I can do e-commerce, no problem. Um, but there's something about those educators and marketers and healers and health people that mm. they we just get each other. Yeah, um, you're speaking the same language. <laughs> and yeah, and it's it's not just like here's the industry that I understand. It's like here's the values that we mm -hmm. have in common. Um, it makes a big difference. It makes yeah. everything feel easy when you figure out who you do and don't work best with yeah. and don't take I mean, it personally. And then have, exactly. have like a Rolodex of, you know what, I'm not the best fit for you, but do you know who you should talk to? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that is part of marketing in a sustainable way. Mm -hmm. It's like being really choosy about who you want to work with, having great alternatives for the people yeah. you don't want to work with. I think referrals need to come in both directions and it it is a big piece of that puzzle, particularly showing up as women and trying to create a community-based sort of collective, I don't know, it's the, what is it, competition is, a collaboration of a competition. Yeah. You know, it's really, how can you help each other rise together? And I, I love that that's, yeah, that we could kind of tie that in a bow because that's beautiful. And it's really back to what you were saying at the beginning of building that team, creating resources that really help all people get the best out of the beautiful thing that is search and, you know, help empower them to take control, I think, of the marketing in a way that doesn't require them to mask, to show up, all those ways that don't feel good to the right kind of people. So Exactly. And to recognize that you're part of an economy and part of an ecosystem. Your mm. business is not in a void. It is not in a vacuum. You are not the only one doing what you do. So- <laughs> who are the collaboration partners? Yeah. Who are the people that you can, you know, if I have a Squarespace question, I still tag you in our community because I'm like, oh, I don't know the answer <laughs> to that. I'll just hit up Michelle and Pauline and Megan because these are my Squarespace people now. Um, yep. And so I think we both sent each other leads back and forth because we mm -hmm. have this uh, collaborative and complementary service. Mm -hmm. um, but then there are also people who are my direct competition who are better at what they do for that audience or for the type of work that's necessary. And so, I'll be, yeah. you know, and, and it doesn't always have to be me. It doesn't always have to be my business, my brand. Um, yeah. And that's, that's a part of being a good neighbor and part of being a part of an online economy um, that isn't just self-fulfilling and <laughs> bigger than us, which is yeah. kind of the point. Kind yeah. of awesome. Yeah, it is. Well, I feel like we could keep talking forever because I just love everything that you're doing. And I really like the way you are, you're creating resources, you're showing up. And I think if anything that we've talked about today resonates, is interesting, I cannot encourage you highly enough to go be in Meg's world, like go deeper and definitely go to the bundle and get her offer. It is fantastic and a really approachable start to SEO. So 
I just want to hammer home again. You don't need to be techie. You don't need to understand, you know, all of the technical backend stuff to still get some results. And I think this is a really nice like dip in that pool we've been talking about all, all episode. Well, thank you so much for that endorsement. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you everyone for joining us this week on Marketing Like a Mother. If you found value in the show today and want to support some fellow mumpreneurs, we really appreciate a rating or just telling a business friend about the show. We're going to be back next week with more marketing tips for busy mums with businesses. Until then, take care.